0: Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, we have Clark Stinks. That's where, when you think I have ripped you off, with bad guidance, bad advice, or rotten opinions, you get to hear what people have felt I missed the mark on. So there's a big fight going on behind the scenes with your iPhone and your Android. And it's one of those things that you don't realize that you could be getting ripped off unless you know how the game is played. But I want you to think about something. You go on your computer and you type in a web address or you do a search and you find a web address you want to go to and you go to it. You don't pay anybody for that. You just go to whatever website you want to go to. Well, Apple and Google, who completely dominate cell phone service in the United States, 70% Google, 30% Apple, or 68, 32, something like that. There's nobody else. It's just the two of them. And so Google with their Android operating system and Apple with iOS act as gatekeepers over the apps that you have on your devices. And there's a lot of legal action, a lot of fuss about the toll bridge that Apple and, to a lesser extent, Google have on the companies that have their apps there. And so if you were to download an app that has a cost to it, for an ongoing subscription, Apple essentially forces the app operator to market up 30% or take 30% less revenue. Google, my understanding, is the toll bridge is 10%. So there is an all-out revolt underway in addition to the court fights over this. And the app tender the dating app, has come up with a bypass to avoid having to pay the toll bridge fee, the toll. And you as a consumer, when you, if you download that app, going to find something you're going to see more and more with apps you have to pay to use, that they're going to have you do an additional step, typically to enter your form of payment that bypasses the Apple tolls, and bypasses the Google tolls. And this is actually a huge benefit to you to take the additional step. It is out of line that Apple and Google have any kind of fees that they rake off for you subscribing to something. And right now the courts haven't finished their thing So it's up to you and me to take the additional steps that an app might want us to take because the cost differences can be huge. I talked months ago about the big fight with Spotify and Apple where Apple is trying to force Apple users to use Apple Music by making Spotify way too costly for you by having a massive toll on you listening to Spotify, and these two dominant players and cell phones, they're wrong here. They are flat out wrong, and you should be able to use the services you want and pay them for what you want to use. And Apple and Google should get their rotten, picking fingers off of your phone and your wallet. Kirk is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kirk. Hi, Clark. Kirk, you are trying to figure out how to diversify your investing. Tell me about that.
1: Well, uh, recently I've considered buying some REIT funds or REIT ETFs for the real estate investment trusts.
0: That makes you a smart guy.
1: Oh, well, we we hope so. Um, But I'm trying to figure out if they... um, should reside in our retirement accounts or our regular brokerage accounts and you know the differences that i could expect from that Uh, one of the goals i'm trying to get to is to have some passive income available between before we turn 59 and a half uh because we're hoping to be able to retire a little earlier than um than that
0: so you know most often when people ask me about that they're asking about owning individual properties and managing them and all that. And you're looking at the alternative that makes owning real estate much like owning a stock or a bond. Correct. And you don't have to worry about, you know, when something needs fixing at the place or whatever. And you're widely diversified.
1: Yeah. And uh, we don't really have a lot of interest in being landlords. Uh, But we would like the diversity that that, uh, owning real estate would provide.
0: So I have historically owned uh, a REIT fund through a taxable account, not an IRA or any other kind of sheltered account. And there are two schools of thought on it, and I'm not necessarily right that I own it in a taxable account. I may even be wrong on that. I mean, it depends on your tax bracket and your overall situation. But if you go in a REIT index fund, the tax treatment is very favorable inside a REIT index fund. An actively managed REIT will not necessarily be as favorable tax-wise.
1: What about a REIT ETF as opposed to a REIT fund?
0: That's a good question. So if, uh, if you're looking at a REIT ETF, it could be either a passive index fund, or it could be an actively managed one. You know, ETFs used to be only for passive investing, and now they have a variety of investing styles. So with, with a REIT fund or a REIT ETF, you want to look for the lowest possible expense ratios you can get. I think the lowest in the business are about 0. 0.12 of 1%.
1: That sounds good. If I'm looking at the marker for the ETF, how would I? what would I look for besides that expense ratio? How would I tell whether it was actively managed or not?
0: You have to read the prospectus. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can read the summary in the prospectus, and it, will, it will tell you. The you know, summary is going to be like a page, and it will lay out for you if it's actively managed or just an index holding of REITs. And do you have an accountant or anyone who helps you with your income tax?
1: No, we didn't. We do that ourselves.
0: Okay, because I was going to say, if you had a tax professional, this would be a perfect example of a case where you ask if, if a holding like this should be in a sheltered account or should be in a taxable account.
1: Is it possible that the differences between them is not that big?
0: You mean in terms of the. Which would be the best tax decision? Between, yeah, between
1: retirement or um, uh, regular.
0: All I can tell you point. is that any active real estate fund, you want in an IRA. Okay. If you go into passive, again, I would say it's a, it's a mixed bag, and it would really be your choice. As to who has the lowest, my memory is, and I could be wrong on this, that Vanguard has the lowest cost REIT index fund, Uh, they would at least be the target you would look at and the one you'd want to be able to beat on expense ratios. Lauren is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lauren.
2: Clark, how are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. I hope you are. I am. I uh, have a question about car leasing. I've never been a leasing guy. I've got to finish my second car lease. And it's been a great experience for obvious reasons, you know, having a car that starts every time you walk outside and never having to deal with a mechanic. I guess my question is, in a nutshell, you know, I have, an, I have an S-Corp, and according to my CPA, 70% of my payment is a write-off.
0: Well, it could, be, I- it could be 100%. It all depends on the percent of your use of the vehicle that's business
2: use. Correct. And from what he says, if 70% of the use is business use, that's a 70% chunk you can write off.
0: Right. So I'll tell you what a lot of people do who are small business owners. They will have an older car that they use as their personal use car so that the uh, business use vehicle is a 100% write off.
2: Huh. Yeah, that makes total sense.
0: Yeah. But if you don't want to do that, you want simplicity in your life and you can justify 70% of your miles being business use miles, then, yeah, you would have that as a perfectly valid thing. And I hear this over and over again from small business owners who will call me and say, hey, you always say, don't lease, buy a vehicle. But my accountant says I should do it because of the write-off. And so this this would come in the category of an exception to a normal rule because of the tax benefit that comes to you as a business owner.
2: Well, that's good to hear, and I do have a secondary vehicle, so I can go the hundred percent route with my leased car. Um, so I'll I'll bring that up to him. But the the you know the cars I'm le- I've been leasing, the payments are so low, and I'm, I'm being you know pretty frugal in what I choose and everything like that. So when I run the numbers, it comes out to be like seven dollars a day for leasing a, a brand new vehicle, and I you know I save a lot of my time going to mechanics and all the all the obvious stuff and I guess I've never had good luck with used vehicles but I guess I just want to make sure I'm not flushing my money down the toilet
0: (laughs) no I mean you are I mean this is I don't want people to hear me say yeah it sounds fine for you to lease a vehicle and think that it means I've said it's fine for them to lease a vehicle you know this is a narrow circumstance where you own your own S Corp and so for you it can work out fine leasing versus owning a vehicle. And I think if it if you've been happy leasing vehicles, you go ahead and do it. Now, as your accountant will tell you, but you'll probably ignore, you avoid hassle with the IRS if they ever did any kind of uh, full review or audit of you to keep a mileage log. And there are now apps you can have on your phone that'll do it to justify the percent write-off that you're doing on a company vehicle
2: also ideally i should be documenting the business use in terms of miles
0: exactly and i just told you something that nobody ever does but that's what i'm (laughs) supposed to tell you you're supposed to do and that's what your accountant's supposed to tell you
2: but if i have the vehicle as a hundred percent business vehicle then basically the miles that those 36,000 miles that after in the three years are all business miles
0: Exactly. Now, um, there may be an argument about miles to and from your place of business that those miles would not take you to 100%. But again, I defer to your accountant on that. And I'm glad that this has worked out for you to this point. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com ask. Then producer Joel asks your question for you. All right, Clark, Andrew has a question. He says, after freezing my credit due to fraudulent usage of my personal information, are there... I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah, that's terrible, right? He says, are there additional steps needed to secure or protect myself? So what I would like you to do is something that I suggest. I don't know your age, but something I suggest for people that are older, but if you've been an identity theft victim, I want you to go ahead and do it regardless of your age, and that's go to the Social Security website at socialsecurity.gov and set up a My Social Security account. It's free to do. It will allow you to make sure that the identity thieves are not in any way attempting to tap into your identity to steal money through the federal government that is your money. You also can track that your identity payments into the social security system each year your wages are being tracked properly by social security that would be a good step another thing and you're going to have to thaw your credit to set that up because they got to verify your identity the other thing is when your credit is thawed for that i want you to set up a dashboard with credit karma with credit karma you'll be able to track what's going on with your credit from two of the three major credit bureaus you'll have uh A somewhat approximation of what your real FICO score would be. And you will be able to see if any funny stuff is going on with any of your credit through the Credit Karma system. But your credit must be thawed temporarily so they can verify your identity so you can have a Credit Karma dashboard. All right, Clark and Nina wrote in. She says, Have you compared different hearing aid products and what direction would you recommend I go in? Sorry. (laughs) So. With hearing aids, we're going through a dramatic change in the United States because we've had uh, the highest hearing aid prices in the world, and due to an action by Congress that the hearing aid lobby fought like mad, we are going to see a gradual decline in the price of traditional hearing aids, and that is great news. We're already seeing movements towards lower prices. You may have heard me or not heard me talk about IHearMedical.com, the letter I hearmedical.com. It is a hearing aid. The price moves around on it, but it is a real official FDA approved hearing aid that prices, depending on the price at the moment, from $399 an year to four ninety nine dollars an year. Costco Wholesale has now introduced Kirkland Signature, their private label hearing aids, at a great reduction in price of where they were before. And if you have modest hearing loss, something that uh, audiologists cringe at me mentioning, there are devices known as PSAPs, personal sound application product or something. But they are sold um, online, they're sold in Walmart stores, they're sold at hunting and fishing stores like Bass Pro Shops and you can buy these and use them as an amplification device for hearing. The traditional hearing aid industry charging $6,000 for a set of ears is still going on but not for long. I'm so glad that you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show where we all learn from each other. This show's about you gaining ideas So you can have the financial independence that you would have as a goal in your life, I hope. But one thing you expect is that when you're tuning into our show is that you're going to get advice from me that works for you, that you're going to get guidance from me that you can put to work in your life each and every day. And there are times that I don't deliver that. There are times you may feel that I've given somebody a bum steer. given bad guidance or bad advice or just been thick-headed that's why we have clark.com slash clark stinks it's where you can go post your disappointment in me your guidance to me your advice for your fellow listener once a week our producer krista goes through your posts on clark stinks and shares highlights with you right here I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think
2: I'm pretty stupid. You
3: should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong.
2: Maybe you're right, pal.
3: As a seasoned college professor and academic advisor, I am sorry to say that you score an F- minus on your advice about the 17-year-old choosing a college major. You said that the first two years of study are all just general ed stuff but you are absolutely incorrect. All STEM and healthcare majors, i.e. the degrees which can, with which one can get a job, include required courses starting first semester freshman year. To suggest that she flounder around finding herself because all the jobs will be different by the time she's 30 is plain nonsense. This explosively flatulent advice will surely keep her in school an extra year or so. Yes, there will be new jobs, but there will always be great, a great need for nurses, engineers, and the like. What's more, many scholarships are based on the chosen major. Few are given to undecided students. She should choose a good, solid major based on her vision of a future career. Your greatest fan, Professor Paul.
0: Professor Paul, thank you so much for giving me a low F. I received some of those through my academic career. <laughs> so, all right, let me explain why I say that. There's a lot of pressure on teenagers to figure out when they haven't figured out who they are yet, to figure out what they want to do is their life's work. There are people who know from very young what they want to do. Uh, you know, the new prime minister of the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson, knew when he was a very small boy that he wanted to be king of the world. And so... <laughs> He had to settle for prime minister of the United Kingdom. But the thing is, there are people who who know what they want to do, and there are others that are just finding their way. So I don't want someone to go into a course of study that they're doing just because they've got to land somewhere that's not going to bring them joy in their lives. And you're right on the job front. There's no doubt what you said was completely true on the job front. But when somebody is a teenager, there are people who need to directly go towards a career path, and there are others who actually do need time to figure out what they're about.
3: I live in a classic flyover state in the southwest, New Mexico. Garrett Planning Network has a single financial advisor listed on its site for my city, and NAPFA has a total of six. However, a bunch of these listings are clearly national firms that have found a way to show a local address. The ones that are actually here and appear to be legit want 1% of AUM with $15,000 per year minimums. Is this really what you're recommending, Clark the Shark? Can you please clarify what you mean by fee-only financial planning? I guess I was under the impression that it was an hourly fee and that's it. But that's not what Garrett or NAPFA have listings for. I guess I'll stick to my S&P 500 index funds and save the value of an entry-level new car each year. Brett.
0: Brett, thank you. So AUM, for people who are not familiar with that terminology, that's assets under management. And the traditional formula for charging people in the industry is that you pay a percent of the amount of money you have invested, assets under management. And the traditional formula in the industry is 1%. So what's the alternative if you live, in your example, in New Mexico or other states, a lot of the mountain states, where there's not going to be a large number of people who are going to be part of Garrett or uh, the NAPFA organization? So there are alternatives that I can mention. One, the XY Planning Network, which is an organization geared towards people that have smaller sums of money that they're looking to learn how to invest and look at their overall financial picture. You can look at um, Charles Schwab or Fidelity Investments. There are alternatives. And in fact, when I talk about Garrett and NAPFA, it should be for a specific focus of somebody looking at their overall picture, what they're trying to do, not just pick funds. If all you're into is trying to be in the right funds, you're completely right that Just doing index funds gets you most of the way to what you need to be about as you start to build a secure financial future for yourself.
3: All right. Chris just has a very simple request. Please, Clark, no more robot voice.
0: (laughs) I am terrible. at. uh, You're talking about my regular voice? I think they might mean
3: that that does not compute. Oh, That's what my guess is. Oh,
0: this one.
3: Where is it? (laughs) Oh, you're going to really play it now?
0: Oh, here it is. So, uh, that one bothers you. I'm sorry. So, (laughs) I played it just for you as a bonus attraction.
3: Clark, you had a caller about polybutylene piping in his home, and I can tell you from personal experience, my homeowner's insurance actually imposed a $25,000 deductible if that piping should burst. And then the very next year, they dropped my insurance because of the piping in the home as they no longer cover homes with it. Most insurance companies will not cover a home with polybutylene. This guy really needs to get his pipe plumbing removed as quickly as possible. So your suggestion of water sensors is really off the mark. Paul.
0: Paul, thank you. Polybutylene pipe has been a hex on homeowners in the United States for now a generation and a half. It is a defective product that is a ticking time bomb for your wallet. And I was trying to give our caller an option other than the cost of having to do a replumb if you go back a generation ago there were a lot of plumbing outfits that specialized in retrofitting homes to bypass the polybutylene pipe and were able to mitigate the problem at a lower cost i'm not sure there are a lot of firms that still have people on staff who are experts at doing so but what they do is essentially they disconnect the existing water system hooked up to polybutylene pipe and put in a whole new parallel system to make the home safe for water to flow through again it's very interesting angle you bring up about the homeowners insurers looking at you as a pariah if you have it because the size of the claims when polybutylene pipes burst is gigantic
3: i have a great deal of regard for you clark When I hear the Clark Stinks portion come up, I cringe. I love that you're so willing to take criticism, but please use another way of accepting it. Clark Stinks is disrespectful on so many levels. Our society needs to build up, not take down. You are a role model for so many. When you use derogatory statements about yourself, it sends a message that verbally beating up on oneself is a good thing. It also says that berating another person is okay. What about something like Clark learns or teach Clark? I'm guessing your great team can come up with something fitting. Thanks for all that you do, Teresa.
0: Teresa, I'm sorry that it offends you that we do the Clark Stinks. And so let me take just a second and give the history. Back when Clark Stinks started, it was because there were several hate sites that had popped up on the internet about me. And they had names uh, much more objectionable to you than Clark Stinks. And my thing was if there were people that I was annoying that much or angering that much, then I should be willing to let people blow off steam directly and that I should be willing to hear it. And so that's why we have Clark Stinks because I'm just one guy and I give advice in a very complicated area to give advice and there are times that I will be wrong on advice I've given. So it's important that you know that what I'm about is trying to give the best advice possible. And I, I can take the shots that people throw my way. I think a lot of people in public life would do better if they were not hiding from people's upset with them. It might lower the gauge of general anger that we have right now in American society.
3: After hearing on your show that you receive free Netflix with T-Mobile service, I quickly texted my brother-in-law to link his account. You forgot to mention you have to have at least two lines to qualify. Womp womp, Hannah.
0: Sorry, Hannah, and uh, I apologize for— She did
3: write womp womp, by the way. Yeah,
0: (laughs) for not (laughs) mentioning some of the details. As I'm giving information like that, there's only so much I can give in details— I talk about something and then it's up to you to go dig in because I've discovered over time that if I get too in the weeds of giving the particulars of something, people get overwhelmed and they miss the whole message. So the point is, is that with a number of aggressive cell phone plans from various providers trying to take market share from AT&T and Verizon – There are a bunch of crazy benefits, including there are some organizations that give free Amazon Prime as part of being a customer of the cell phone service, a variety of specialty things that are available to you, but you got to jump through the right hoops. I appreciate all your posts, and I want you to know that if you feel that I'm off the mark, please go to clark.com slash clarkstinks and post that. And by the way, I stink a little because, Krista, I cut you off too I, soon. You, you had one more you wanted more. to do. I'm sorry.
3: That's okay. Um, hi, Clark. This isn't a stinky skunk, but you still stink by giving the wrong advice. Whenever you have a caller that, who has a credit card with an annual fee, which they don't want to pay the fee but want a card, you tell them to first apply for a no-fee card before closing the one they have. While they may need to do that, they should first call the card company and ask if they could change to a no-fee card. They may avoid having an inquiry on their credit report this way. Also, if they do need to close the card and have another with the same issuer, they could request that their credit limit be transferred to the one they are keeping before closing it. Keep up the good work. I listen to every episode. Mordecai.
0: Mordecai, that is outstanding advice. And it's the right order of advice versus what I have said, that that would be step 1A. And if you get turned down by the credit card issuer then you go to the step that I've normally recommended, which is get another card before you close that account. Great advice, great guidance. And that's exactly why we do Clark Stinks. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. So your, dad's, might... your dad's getting you stirred up, I hear.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is just the latest. You know, He has a tendency to be very suspicious of, government, which I understand for good reason. But um, what that tends to do is drive him over to, you know, people that um, can, uh, you know, use that to, uh, I guess, take advantage of people. Anyway, so I was trying to find a way to to respond to him in an intelligent way. And uh, most recent thing he brought up was uh, uh, he got an email that mentioned the Dodd-Frank and how the Uh bank accounts are government-controlled and your government-controlled 401k and language like that to make you think that in the next financial crisis, they're actually going to take their depositors' accounts and somehow issue you, I don't know, shares in the bank or something. Anyways, so I was wondering what... I. I I'm not planning on because when I clicked through to the information he had, it what actually. What were they trying to, to sell? I'm sure they exactly. were trying to sell something. Yeah. They were
0: either trying to raise money for some yeah. candidate or they were trying to sell something.
4: No, it was selling something, investment. Of course, it led <laughs> to either precious metals, gold, or silver. No. Or, okay. Yeah, or so type so of there's. Insurance a- investment. Yeah, so there's
0: a lot of distrust in institutions of all kinds right now. Sure, People, uh, it's not just in our country. This has been the trend in the entire developed world that there's a loss of trust in government and business, and and so much has to do with the banking scandals of last decade that so undermined people's confidence, felt like uh, that people were in an earthquake where the land shifted underneath them so many people lost their homes their jobs their uh, marriages fell apart there was so much financial stress and nobody knows who and what to trust right now so that makes people really vulnerable to these pitches so what Dodd-Frank was ironically enough was it was a law passed in the aftermath of the banking scandals to try to Mm -hmm. make sure that the banks couldn't Essentially, bankrupt the world again. And we've right. been trying to recover from insolvency around the world since last decade's banking scandals. So it's yeah. ironic that Dodd Frank is being used as a way to kind of pitch that, you know, the government now has the power to do anything they want and take your money and turn it into worthless government IOUs and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so the only safe thing yeah. for you to do is to go into gold or go into silver precious metals or yeah. tell you what we at the insurance company we got this great great thing for you it's all yeah a bunch of
4: hooey yeah, yeah. i was i was hoping to hear the uh, the cow or the uh, oh okay explosion. you I want really the cow
0: all right here's
2: here you go yeah. <laughs>
0: Was good hey. radio producing on your part there. That was good.
4: Yeah, yeah. Glad. Hey. So tell your
0: dad I, to tell your dad yeah. to relax and I I and will. to stop opening those emails because the ones he opens will only generate more. On Facebook, there's a conspiracy theory a second, and yeah. and it's all true that people have valid reasons to feel insecure today. Because yeah. so much went wrong last decade, and we're still not past it completely. Yeah.
4: So hey, before we go, as as a veteran, I wanted to thank you for the service in the state guard. You know that you're willing to do. So I really appreciate that.
0: Well, thank you. This is my eighteenth year in the state wow. guard, and uh, I just got in trouble because I had let my um, my anti-terrorism training lapse. Oh yeah. You and I would let my up. my um, <laughs> First aid and CPR and uh, AED training hmm. expire. Mandatory so,
4: briefings, yeah. Yeah, so mandatory I just got just mandatory got mandatory just
0: got all my certifications back. Which branch of the yeah. service were you in?
4: Uh, actually, Marine Corps enlisted, and then I was an Army officer. So. Wow, double tough guy! Man, wow, no, I did twenty only twenty eight years. I wish I could have done more.
0: Well, I I appreciate so much what you've done for our country. Thank you very much. And keep protecting your dad, too. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.